Uh, well, y'all can have a seat. And good morning again. Uh, my name is Jacob Smith. I am the teaching pastor here for Anderson College. And man, I just want to welcome you to Grace. I know some of us are coming back from, from the break and we're getting back into the rhythm, rhythm of things. I know some of us, we uh, are, you know, maybe here for the first time or maybe the second time. And I mean, we're just, we're so excited that you've joined us regardless of whether or not you've been here before because we are starting uh, a brand new series for this brand new year, uh, this brand new decade, I suppose. Oh, uh, and it's centered in the book of Proverbs. All right, what we're doing is we're essentially taking time uh, to address the fact that we all want to make better decisions, right? We all want to live with fewer regrets in every season of life. And thankfully, God has provided us, he's provided his people with guidance on how to skillfully navigate this world, how to skillfully navigate the relationships and the responsibilities that show up in our lives. And a lot of this guidance shows up in the book of Proverbs. It's a collection of wisdom, of truisms, uh, of, of statements that are helpful principles. They're not always promises. It's not a perfect formula of one plus one always equals two, but it is general principles that are meant to kind of propel us forward in a wise and a discerning manner in this world. And this book is going to focus on not only our conduct, but also our character. So it's not just what we do, but it's, it's ultimately even who we are. And, and um, our hope is that over the next seven, eight weeks, that, that we will see the truth that our God has our best interests at heart. And so these first four weeks, we're going to be focused specifically on how his wisdom guides our relationships. And so this morning, for example, we're starting off looking at uh, the, the best friends, right? The, the best relationships, the best community, God's guidance for how do we form tight-knit groups of people who walk alongside of one another and, and encourage and exhort, who, who cheer on and challenge one another. I mean, that's, that's what we're looking at this morning in the book of Proverbs. Next week, we'll be focused on the best man. In other words, we'll be looking at what are God's guiding principles for the men, for, for, for guys who want to live life in a, in a good way, right? Who want to skillfully navigate. It's not just principles for how to be the best man, but it's also principles for how to find what to look for in the men that you maybe want to date. Uh, in the exact same way, the next week we're covering the best woman. We're looking at what are God's guiding principles for, for a biblical woman, the conduct and character, and also, you know, then what are you looking for as you're dating the ladies? Uh, the final kind of relationship we're looking at is the best leader. We'll be looking at, okay, how does God guide leadership? What does God say about the influence that we exhibit in different spheres and areas of life? Because we all lead in some capacity, in some context. And so how does God speak into, how does his wisdom guide those forms of relationships. And I'll tell you, this is a complex topic, and we're not going to cover all of it in the next 35 minutes. But, but what I would encourage you to do uh, in light of that is, man, to, to track with us, to maybe prepare well, to kind of, you, you'll always kind of see, you'll have reminders of what's coming up in our ministry and what's coming up specifically in our teaching series uh, on our website and even through our Instagram. That, that's always going to be pointing you towards, okay, this is where we're headed. This is what we'll be covering. I would also, even more importantly, point you towards immersing yourself in the Word of God. Uh, we launched a brand new uh, reading plan connected to this series through the YouVersion Bible app. If you've got an app on your phone uh, for reading the Bible, this is probably the one that you've got. And they've got all these great plans and devos, reading plans, baked into the app that you can search. And so if you go under plans and search, uh, if you look up the best, you look up Grace College, 
This kind of first part of our series in Proverbs is going to be right up there in the top results. Uh, And the goal of that is that you'd be spending more and more time just in the Word of God, reading related passages in Proverbs and some even outside of Proverbs that are related to the same topics, reading through friendship, manhood, womanhood, and leadership. So our our goal through all of this, honestly, is that we would just recognize uh, that God has a lot of wisdom, that He has a lot of helpful principles to guide us towards the best path in life. And and we're starting by looking at friendship. We're starting at looking at that kind of core relationship between you and your buds, right? And to kind of help us kind of center this in our our thoughts and minds, uh, we will actually start with an exercise, okay? Now, this is uh, going to involve Haley Finley. Uh, Haley is uh, our vocalist who was singing this morning, did a wonderful job. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. Uh, And she uh, is not going to sing right now, but Haley is going to say howdy, but at a normal speaking volume. Okay, so normal speaking volume, just give me a howdy. Yeah, like that. Yeah, really weird. Yeah. Hmm. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, how was Ian? Did you hear? How'd you hear her? Well? Okay. Kind of, you have like bat ears though. So that was, you know, most people over there didn't really hear it. But yeah, you kind of picked up on it a little bit, right? Not too... Not too loud, not too overpowering. Well, this is what we're going to try. Uh, Haley, again, howdy. But also alongside of Haley, all of us, okay? All of us on the count of three are going to say, just like Haley, howdy, okay? Just normal speaking volume, though. We're not yelling. We're not whispering. Just normal, average speaking volume. One, two, three. Howdy. And this is why people say we're a cult. I don't know why. (laughs) That was way, that came way too naturally for all of you. <laughs> now, so what happened, right? We, we all, we, none of us were yelling, none of us were shouting, none of us were screaming from the rooftops, but just speaking at a normal volume, when we all did it at the exact same time, I'll tell you, that was a much more forceful, still creepy, howdy, than what Haley could accomplish on her own. The reality is that there are certain opportunities, there's, there's a certain unique power that we find with other people that we don't find on our own. This is kind of the underlying principle that we see in Scripture. That when man was alone, when Adam was created and he was alone in the garden, alone in perfection, God looked at his loneliness and he said, that's not good. He looked at the fact that he was just one and only, the one and only human. He says, that's not good. We are designed to need community. We're designed to need other people. Community is crucial. And yet, why do we often find ourselves struggling to find and form healthy, lasting, intentional community? Well, sin and mistakes, brokenness has entered this world. And so therefore, not only is community crucial, it is also now costly. It it, it has a price. I don't think that's in God's original design, and yet that's where we are. Where community is something that is so valuable, it's something that so many of us want so desperately, and yet it's hard to find because it has a price tag. And many times we're scared off by that cost because many times the way it manifests is that there is a frustration in the effort we have to put forth, and there's a fear of the exposure that we, that we open ourselves up to, right? the vulnerability that it requires, so this morning, man, my, my hope is that we will be able to look in the book of Proverbs, we'll look in God's word, and we'll see how does he address this principle? How does he push us past those barriers into finding and forming healthy community? Because the reality is that right now, man, we are in a lonely 
place. Uh, in 2018, Cigna Health Group, they did this nationwide study of like 20,000 American individuals, and they were asking them about community. They were asking them about social relationships and what they found. Their kind of their, their results, their, their like ending statement was that we in America right now are in the midst of a loneliness epidemic, is what they called it. To the point where they found that 46%, almost half of Americans said that they were sometimes or always feeling alone or left out. That 27%, right? One, over more than one out of four Americans would say that they all, sometimes or almost always feel misunderstood. That people don't understand where they're coming from, what they're thinking, what they're about. And when they were asking these people and kind of finding out this, this terrible information about our feelings, the state of our hearts, uh, they, they discovered that basically the greatest determining factor, right? They were trying to gauge all these different pieces about their lives. How do they live? What do they eat? How do they sleep? Man, the greatest determining factor in these senses, these feelings of loneliness was the lack of meaningful in-person interactions, which makes sense. And yet, what was also tragic, what broke my heart from this study when I found it this last week, when I saw it, was that when they broke it down by generation, Gen Z leads the pack on every negative emotion, every negative feeling. That out of all of the age ranges, out of every generation, you, you right here, right now, y'all are in the group that is in fact the most lonely, that is in fact the most disconnected, that feels the most misunderstood. I think that's tragic. It's tragic. Because right now you're in a season of life where it will never be easier to find and form meaningful relationships. And yet we find ourselves struggling. So what do we do about it? Well, as we open the book of Proverbs this morning, what we'll see are kind of three fundamental principles within friendship. I think first we have to start by looking at the ultimate why, right? The purpose behind Friends, and then we'll examine that. Right, the the book addresses God addresses the problems that show up as we seek to form and find those relationships, and then ultimately we're going to ask ourselves, we're going to look in the Word, and we're going to see, okay, well, how do I go about forming those relationships? Or if I need to strengthen my current relationships, I mean, how do I do that? Right, but. St- First of all, we want to start with the ultimate purpose of friends. This is in that passage uh, that we read just a moment ago, Proverbs 17, 17, that tells us that a friend loves at all times, that a relative is born to help in adversity. This is this kind of underlying principle that a friend, the best friend, is going to be someone who not only is with you in hardship, but in fact jumps up and like that's their time to shine. The, The Hebrew terminology right here, they're using parallel uh, synonyms. Like the, the goal is to actually set up this friend and relative, even though it's a different term, they're supposed to be kind of paired to look like a one for one. And so they're saying, yeah, that best, that friend who's going to love at all times, that is the type of person who's going to help in times of adversity. They're going to cheer you on, support you, encourage you through thick and thin. Right? These are people who stand by you. And, and it's not just that they're there as like a rah-rah cheer section. But what we also see in the book of Proverbs is that alongside of that cheering and encouragement, there's also helpful, constructive feedback, right? So this is in Proverbs 27, that faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. In other words, right, I can trust 
right? The, the Hebrew term for faithful right there, you could also translate as trustworthy, right? It, it, the, the base of it just means reliable, something you can count upon. And so he's saying, look, you, you can trust the wounds of a friend. Why? Because they have your best interest at heart. Do, you can trust those more than the fake praise of people who are actually set against you, right? Those excessive enemy kisses that we're all very familiar with, right? Yeah, that happens. Um, but this is a truth um, that's kind of easy to hear, but harder to implement, right? Even though maybe we know that, yeah, iron, as iron sharpens iron, a person sharpens his friend, right? Just, just like iron, you have to, you know, a blacksmith is trying to sharpen iron, a knife or something, right? It takes friction, it's heat, it, it's, it's a hard process. There's effort involved and pain. Well, that's how we should be living with our friends. We should be a people who are willing to sharpen one another for our ultimate good. And yet this is difficult, right? It's, this is a difficult thing to live out. Right? The, the best friends are going to be people who are able to not only cheer you on, but also challenge you. And I think this is the principle that we see manifest in God's word. And yet, because of our mistakes, because of our failure, a lot of times when we try to live in this way, um, when we try to bring healthy, helpful, gracious challenge, it, it just it doesn't always work out in an ideal manner. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Her sister was a witch, right? And what was her sister? A princess, the wicked witch of the east, bro. I'm going to stab him. You're going to look at me and you're going to tell me that I'm wrong? Am I wrong? My she wore a crown and she came down in a bucket, though. I'm not fighting with you. Grow up, I'm not fighting bro. with you. Grow up. Get educated. Bubble dog, that is my absolute favorite. That I want to be his friend. Why? 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 Because I know he will challenge me. Because I know... That ultimately, even though it's not always in the most gracious manner, right? We, we need people who are able to stick it out with us, who are able to encourage us, but people who also are going to challenge us. And so if we're looking at our friend group, man, if we're looking at the people that we surround ourselves with, my hope is that not that we walk out of here and we're like, yeah, I'm ready to challenge, right? Like I'm going to bring some feedback to our next roommate meeting, right? That's not, that's not the goal. The goal is to walk out and invite this from your closest friends, people that you can, people that you know, people you can trust. You say, hey, I want you to speak into my life in these certain ways. A few weeks ago, or last semester, uh, Ben Clausen, one of our fellows, he spoke uh, about how it said this great line that I think he quoted from someone else about giving other people a, a hunting license for the sin in your life. That we should be willing to be open ourselves up, expose ourselves, be vulnerable in such a way that we say, hey, I want you to, to call me out on the issues that are presenting themselves, right? We don't need to go out and like be the first one to boop, take the shot, right? We need to be people who go out and say, hey, I want to invite your challenge. Why? Because I know ultimately we're both going to benefit, right? Ultimately, if we really, if we love each other in this way, if we're willing to put in the hard work and the humble vulnerability, the result is going to be shared improvement. Both of us are going to be better. 
if we live and walk alongside of one another in this way. And so practically, how do we, how do we live this out? Well, I would encourage you to maybe follow two different steps. The first is to form structure in your relationships, in your friendships. And this doesn't, have to mean, this doesn't mean that you like need an agenda for every day that you like email out, or you put it in the group meeting, and you're like, okay, step by step, everyone pay attention, Brad, you know, or whatever. Like that's not... That you don't have to map out every moment of every day, every hangout that you ever have. Like, okay, in this next commercial break or when the next episode's about to start streaming, we're going to talk about our lives. So, right, you, just, you need to have moments, though, where you ask each other good questions, where you really are intentional with your time. It doesn't have to be every moment, but you are missing out. You are, you are leaving incredible benefit on the table if you are not taking advantage of the time and space that you have right now with the people around you to ask meaningful questions, to maybe give your friend, hey, I want you to ask me about this and this and this. I mean, I want you to ask me about this relationship. I want you to ask me my, about my time with the Lord. I mean, I want you to ask me about whatever. And, and those questions will then prompt healthy accountability. You can, you can hold each other to certain standards. You can challenge each other more easily because you've already opened the door for that challenge. And then alongside of that, I would encourage you to then, in every way, follow Christ. In other words, it's not just that you're asking each other questions, but you're also pointing each other to truth. Because ultimately, Jesus Christ, I mean, he lived this out better than any of us ever will. Jesus Christ showed us this incredible love. The the Gospel of John describes him over and over again as as the, the one who was full of grace and truth. In other words, he was the one full of that love, of that encouragement, of that cheering you on, the, the one who said, I, I love you so much, I'm going to give up everything for your sake. Right? That's, what, that's what our gospel is. That while we were dead in our trespasses, right? while we, needed all, we, we were hopeless, we desperately needed someone to fix the, what had been broken because we could not do it on our own. In that moment, God didn't call us to like behave a certain way or do a certain thing to clean up our act. Instead, he sent Jesus Christ out of heaven and onto earth to live the perfect life that we could never live, to die the death that we deserved. And then when he rose again three days later, he says, you can call on my name and then you're saved. This is what we covered last semester in Romans, that that we can be by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, justified in the eyes of God. In other words, declared righteous, not by works, not by our effort but by the work of Jesus Christ, the one who came with that incredible grace, that incredible love that we did not earn, that we did not deserve. And yet when Jesus looks at his disciples, he also tells them that if they want their life to count for eternity, he says, if you want to find your life, then you're going to need to lose it for my sake. Right? Another way he puts it is he says, if you want to really be my disciple, then what you're going to have to do, if you really want to follow me, then you're going to have to lay down your life just as I've laid down mine. You're going to have to pick up your cross just as I'll pick mine up. And you've got to follow me. He says, that's what it takes. There's going to be sacrifice involved. He's challenging his followers. He's challenging his disciples to live sacrificially just as he lived, to make disciples just as he made them. That's the love that Christ has shown us. That's the beauty of our gospel. And that's what we can live out alongside of one another. And I'll tell you, man, some of us, we, we look at our relationships and we don't see this playing out. And some of us, we, we can be the agent of change, right? We can step into those moments and we can be more intentional. We can think, we can have those conversations. Uh, for others of us, we really don't have any sort of starting point right now. Maybe it's a new semester. Maybe we just moved here. I don't know. But, but we are looking at our lives. We're like, man, I, just, I don't even have like a blob to mold into this. 
And, and I would encourage you. That's why we have, we spend so much time, so much effort creating the structures for your benefit to find community. If you are looking to jump into a, a group of like-minded believers who are following the Lord, who, who want to encourage one another and point each other towards truth, you can follow this link. This is just a little Google form that, that signs you up for our small groups that start this week. Or you can find someone in the back. Come and talk with me. Come talk with someone in the back at our resource table at the end of the service. They would love to answer your questions, get you connected to a small group of individuals. Why? Because we know that we all desperately need that community. It is crucial. And we try to make it cost as little as possible, right? I mean, money-wise, it's free, right, obviously. But we try to just lower the barriers for entry as low as we possibly can because we want you to jump into this. And I know some of us, we're in healthy community through, uh, you know, our student organization or we have like a, we're, we're involved in some parachurch ministry. That's awesome. Dig into those. But for others of us, I mean, this is something that you desperately need to get into. And some of us, we feel that. We're like, yeah, I, I'm ready to jump in. That's awesome. We're ready. Come on. So as we look at the ultimate purpose of friends, if we see that, man, friends are just the best, then why do we many times feel like we don't have those best friends, that we don't have that community that we really, really want? Well, again, I think a lot of that stems out of the fact that we just we live in a broken world, right? That sin has kind of disrupted the relationships and these kind of processes in our lives, right? This is how we see it play out in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1. Uh, this is, you know, a lot of Proverbs is written as a father addressing his son. In other words, it's kind of in this cool, like familial way where it's a dad, he's looking at a young man, he says, man, I, I want to help you succeed in life, right? So listen to these words. And so he gives him an example in Proverbs chapter one, verse 10. He says, my child, if sinners try to entice you, do not consent. Right? He says, if they say, come with us, we will lie and wait to shed blood. We will ambush an innocent person capriciously. Mm. We will swallow them alive like Sheol, those full of vigor like those going down to the pit. We will seize all kinds of precious wealth. We will fill our houses with plunder. Join with us. We will seize all kinds. Oh, wait. We will all share equally in what we steal. Man. Average Tuesday conversation, right? Am I right? Like this is maybe a little bit of departure. Right? And the, the father is obviously, he's speaking in extreme terminology, right? This isn't probably the conversation that we have walking through the MSC day in, day out, right? This isn't happening at Texas A&M, Blend, maybe at Relis, I don't know. But like, this is, this is how it goes. This is not generally how it goes in our lives. But the principle here is that there really are going to be people that are kind of pointing, that are running down a certain path that we know ultimately is not the best, that, that's going to take them to a place that we don't actually want to go, Right? And so the father looking at his son, he's, he's, he's just simply identifying the temptation. He's identifying the potential. And then he tells him, my child, do not go down their way. Withhold yourself from their path. They are eager to inflict harm. They hasten to shed blood. And he says, this is the ultimate issue. Surely it is futile to spread a net in plain sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush their own lives. He says, these dudes are dumber than birds. These are fools. These are foolish friends who are, in fact, self-destructive. He says the, the, the choices that they're making, the path that they're on is ultimately going to lead to their ruin. So don't buy into it. He says don't go with them. 
use wisdom right here, right now, and just cut it off at the pass. I mean, don't, don't even start down that road. Why? Because if you look two years out, you look five years out, you look a little bit further down the road, you see, oh yeah, that's, no, that's, not, that's not where I want to be. So, so use wisdom right now. In the same way in Proverbs 22, he says, don't make friends with an angry person. Don't associate with a wrathful person lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Again, he's saying there are going to be some friends who are just self-destructive. Don't, don't, don't join in with them. He says in the other way, there's going to be people who are just simply destructive, angry, wrathful, right? In other words, just a more foolish behavior. He says don't jump in with those people. Why? Because ultimately it's going to entangle you in their own snare. You're going to learn their ways. You're going to, it's just going to, you're going to start to imitate them whether you want to or not, and it's going to ultimately entangle you. You're going to be trapped. It says, man, just use wisdom. Don't jump into these relationships. Don't, don't walk most closely with these types of people. Because ultimately, in Proverbs 18, he also says, there, there are companions who harm one another, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Right here, the, the Hebrew term for harming one another is literally, they, they, crush, they crush themselves. It says, you, you can wind up in these relationships, and, and many of us have been there. I've been there. Where you get in these relationships, and you're like, okay, I, you know, there's a few things that are off, but it's probably not a big deal. And then over time, you just find yourself crushed. And you, you don't, you're not finding life, you're not finding joy, you're not finding encouragement. You're being crushed. Because there's a, there's a big difference between friends who are going to speak into your life and sharpen you, and friends who simply speak in your life to cut you and crush you. Big difference. Right? We see this play out in our own lives, that, that ultimately we want friends. The best of friends are going to be people who, in fact, enhance and endure. In other words, friends who make us better, enhance our lives, enhance our direction, and then endure, stick with us, right? Going back to that first principle, people who stick with us through thick and thin, people who rise to the challenge of adversity, who aren't foolish and who aren't fake, who aren't those fair-weather friends, but people who really have our best interests at heart that walk alongside of us in every season of life. But again, many times as we try to find this type of relationship or we try to live in these ways, we, just, we fall into the trap of maybe taking things a little too far. We fall into the trap of you know, maybe thinking, oh, I'm going to you know, help this person out. I'm going to humble them a little bit. And then, I don't know, it, just, it moves beyond sharpening and into kind of uh, destruction. Show the crowd. Show the crowd. (laughs) Now listen. This is, you know, from his sister. I would I would maybe argue this is a sister's role, right? To put your mugshot on a blanket. But a friend, no, right? The best of friends are gonna be people 
who enhance and endure. People who are supporting you, who are challenging you in a healthy way. Right? People who are, are, are seeking the betterment of yourself and themselves. Right? People who are all running kind of the same direction. But this is really hard. Right? This is something um, that requires us being willing to take really honest looks at ourselves and at our friends if we really want to stay on the best course. And so practically, for this, I, I would encourage you to maybe consider two different principles to bring into your relationships. To commit yourself to be a person who's going to speak honestly and at the exact same time stay very, very humble. Again, I said it before, I'm going to say it again. The goal of this morning is not for us to walk out with our justice hammers and go into our friend groups and be like, nope, that's wrong. Be better. Right? Like, that's not the goal of this morning. The goal is to walk out of this place and be a people who, yes, are speaking honestly, but at the exact same time are are humble enough to see that we make our own mistakes, that we have our own faults, that we also are in desperate need of of the forgiveness and grace that's found through Jesus Christ. People who walk out, yeah, who maybe can talk with our friends in a gracious way about the splinter in their eye while still very cognizant of the log that's stuck in our own. People who are honest, but people who are humble. And if we're willing to live in that way, if we're willing to move in that direction, right, to bring that to bear in our friendships, I think what's beautiful is that we then have opportunity to either strengthen or shake up our friendships, right, to strengthen what we have or maybe find, form something new. And yet, when we get to that opportunity, when we get to that moment, many times we're, we're confused about the process. We're confused about, well, okay, how do I really find this? What am I looking for in, this, in these friends? What am I looking for in these environments? How do I hold on to, then, those friends when I feel like we've, we've got something good going? And again, Proverbs speaks into this, starting in chapter 17, that the one who forgives an offense seeks love, but whoever repeats a matter separates close friends. Right? There's a beautiful principle right here, that the one who forgives is, in fact, seeking love, love for all. In other words, a person who is quick to forgive is going to be the, is going to be the best friend, right? And this is something that Jesus calls his followers to. When he was talking to his disciples about forgiveness, he said, hey, here's, here's your marching orders. Forgive as you've been forgiven. In other words, the, the, the forgiveness that you've experienced from the Lord, the forgiveness that you received through no effort of your own, you didn't earn it, you don't deserve it, and yet God has seen fit to forgive you because of your trust in Jesus Christ, because of your trust in his life and his death and his resurrection. That forgiveness that you've received, that you've experienced, you now extend quickly to the people around you without limit. Now, you know, within that, there could be times where trust is broken and that takes time to rebuild, right? Where safety is, is gone, where there's danger and then there needs to be space, right? But forgiveness is a different matter. Jesus Christ calls his followers. We are told, hey, if we are people who are willing to forgive, man, what we're doing is we are bringing the love of God to bear in this world. But if we're a people who continue to repeat a matter, even if we think, oh, well, this is for his benefit. This is for her benefit, right? Like, I just want a reminder, listen, you remember Chad? Right, like if we are bringing that stuff up over and over and over again, the reality is that we're bringing separation. We're bringing division. It's not helpful. It's not. So we should be a people who are willing and ready to forgive. We also want to be people like the one who loves a pure heart. 
the one whose speech is gracious, the king will be his friend. In other words, the one who deserves the greatest friend of all, the king, right? The, the guy that everyone wants to be friends with. He says, you know who that person's going to be drawn to? You know the best friend around? The one who loves a pure heart. Literally, the Hebrew there is this term for honest intention. In other words, like clarity and honesty, authenticity in their demeanor, in, in the way that they behave, in the way that they speak. So someone who is honest, but also someone whose speech is so gracious, so loving. Again, just simply someone who's walking in the foot, in in step with Jesus Christ. Full of grace, but also full of truth. I mean, that's the type of person who's going to be the best friend. And I think all of this kind of points us to the the ultimate principle that that the best friends are going to be people who share our vision and our values. In other words, they, they're, they're headed the same direction as us. They want the same things out of life. And, and they also value the same elements. They value the same bits and pieces or, or, or ideas or concepts. Right? These are going to be the people who make the best friends. Because ultimately, friendship has to be about something. This is what uh, I love. C.S. Lewis, a uh, famous Christian author, theologian, philosopher, he has written on all types of relationships. And he wrote a lot about friendship. And one of my favorite things that he says, I've probably used it before, is that friendship must be about something, even if it were only an enthusiasm for dominoes or white mice. Those who have nothing can share nothing. And those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. Oh man, I love that line. He says, in, other, in another spot, he says that, that friendship, the people who simply want friends will never have any. He says, why? Because you need to be moving in a direction to look left and right and be like, oh yeah, right? If I'm not going anywhere, then I'm never going to find a fellow traveler. Beautiful, beautiful way of putting it. That our friends need to be people who share our vision, who share our values. In another spot, uh, he says that friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, what? You too? I thought I was the only one who loved white mice. No, me too. Right? That's, that is an incredible, again, just picture of a fundamental truth. That the best friends we're going to have are people who are running the direction we want to run. The best friends that we have are going to be people who share the vision that we have, the values that we have. The, the best friends are going to be people that when we look at them, we want to be just like them. Right? Practically speaking, I think that's, that's, the, that's the step. That the people we walk most closely with need to be people who we are wanting and willing to just copy the people that we want to be, right? I want to surround myself with the type of person that I want to become. And, and there's going to be differences and diversity within that, right? Like you're going to share some of the same interests, you're going to share some of the same values, and, and there's going to be, you know, differences and tweaks within there, and that's, that's awesome. But at the most fundamental level, you want people who share your vision, who share your values. That, that's, that's one of the best decisions you're ever going to make, is to really commit yourself to this idea, to this lifestyle. Because I'll tell you, I, I reached a point at the end of high school where I kind of, I had been walking with the Lord and then I kind of took this like side path and went like, ooh, and then God pull, pulled me back by the very end of high school. And I, I literally, I will always remember this, this one conversation. I got a phone call in my car. It was still legal to talk on the phone in your car, I think. Uh, and I remember answering the phone, driving to my house, I mean, it was one of my best friends. It was probably my, my best friend at that time. 
and he was calling me to invite me to a thing. And we were going to, like, they were going to a thing, doing some stuff. And I just, in that moment, I just, I had this, this clarity. And I told him, I was like, dude, I, I would love to hang out. I, but I can't, I can't go there. Like, I can't put myself in that environment again. He's like, you know, it's no big deal. You can just, like, not do some of that stuff. And I was like, dude, I, if I put myself around it, I just, I know I'm going to fall back into some old rhythms that I simply don't want to be in anymore. That's not where I want my life to head. That's not, that, that's not something I value anymore. And, man, it was a tough conversation. And, and it, it brought a lot of pain. And it, it fractured our relationship. And it led to bitterness and frustration and some stabbed me in the back like six months later. Why? Because in that moment, I recognized, I was like, man, I don't want to walk, I, I don't want to become this guy. And so I can't put myself in those, in those exact situations. If he's ready to you know, shift some vision, shift some values, man, let's keep hanging out. But I mean, I can't put myself in that situation. And it was a tough conversation, but I'll tell you, it radically altered the trajectory of my life. I would not be where I am right now if it weren't for that one conversation in my truck after school, my senior year of high school. It was life-changing. And I'll tell you now, some of my best friends are dudes I met in college. That we were either youth leaders together, or we met at Impact, or we just we had similar friends, different men's organizations, and man, those some of those dudes, I will tell you, to this day, if I just like woke up and it just snap of the finger and suddenly I just now I'm Tim, or now I'm Travis, or now oh I'm Jack. Like if that just happened, I'm great with it. I'm great with it. Do we have differences? For sure. Would it be weird for our families? Yeah, that would probably you know that things would get complex um, with my wife and children, but. The reality is I, have, I, I want to surround myself with men that I am totally okay becoming, that I would copy in so many ways. And we need to be able to look at our community and honestly say the same thing. Because the reality is that that transformation is happening whether you want it to or not. Like psychology 101, man, you're, you're going to turn into about an average of your five closest friends. That's just what happens in life. So who are those people? Who are you surrounding yourself with? What is their vision? What are their values? And if you need to make a change, this is the semester to do it. We're ready. That's why even as we wrap up here in a few moments, or after worship, I mean, we're, we're going to have uh, multiple different communities represented up on stage. And they're, and they're going to tell you about, um, essentially, uh, you know, we have these general Bible studies, we have these general communities that you can jump into that we would love for you to be a part of, that, that we have leaders who sacrifice time, energy, blood, sweat, and tears for your sake. Uh, but we also have more focused communities. So, so we're going to hear about a community that's focused on, on healthy grieving. We'll, we'll have a community talking about um, uh, building integrity, one talking about living missionally, making disciples. Why? Because we need people running the same direction as us that we want to run. Right? We, we need people. If we want to run that way, I'm going to need other people around me who are running that way. Ultimately, we are going to navigate life better by having and being better friends. That's just the simple truth that we find in God's Word. 
And so I want us to take a moment, even right now, and take advantage of the fact that God has put a community around us right now, right? You, you are surrounded by men and women, who, some of whom you know, some of whom maybe you don't, uh, but God has put you in this place for a reason. And, and so I want us to just take a moment as we wrap up to, to pray for each other, to pray for the community that we all need. And so what we're going to do in just a moment is you're going to find one or two people around you uh, and maybe introduce yourself real quick if you don't know them. Uh, and you're just going to share with them very briefly where it is that you think you could focus on building great community. Maybe it's, you know, a, a group of friends that you're, you're already connected, but you're just like, man, I want to strengthen that. That's awesome. Uh, maybe it's like, man, I, I want to be intentional about like the classes that I'm going to. I want to make a couple class friends this year or this semester. Man, I want to, I want to, I want to get to know my roommates better. We just, we didn't really connect last semester. I'm going to make an effort. I, I don't know what it is. And you can be as specific or general as you want, right? No pressure. Um, but just sort of share briefly, hey, this is an area where I think God has put people in, in front of me that I could really be intentional in forming healthy, wonderful community with. Uh, and then pray for each other. Pray that God would open those doors. Pray that God would give you the motivation. Pray that God would give you the grace and the truth that you need to be the best friend you can. All right, so find a partner, share those things, pray for each other. I'll pull us back in a minute. Ready, set, go. God, we thank you that you have given us these men and women that we can sit alongside of, we can stand alongside of, we can worship alongside of, we can pray alongside of. God, we thank you that you've, you've brought us to this point for a reason. That, God, you've put us in, in school right here in Bryan College Station for a reason. That, Lord, that it's not an accident that, that we're around the people we're around. That, God, that you have a plan and a purpose behind our day-to-day. God, we thank you for the fact that you don't just tell us that we need friends and then you walk away, but that you, in fact, design our lives or design our, our, ourselves to, to need friends, but then go through the process of, of, of setting us up, God, of providing opportunities to form these meaningful relationships. And Lord, I just, I pray that, that we would focus this semester on being the best friends. God, regardless of what we feel like we've experienced thus far in college, regardless of what we feel like, the ways that we feel like we've, we've missed out or the things that we feel like we deserve that we never got, God, we, I pray that we would just take this truth to heart, that, that we can be a people who love, who encourage, who cheer, who challenge, who enhance, who endure, a people who ultimately share common vision, a common value, which is your son, Jesus Christ. God, help us be people who are not just disciples, but disciples who make disciples. A people who help other people find and follow Jesus Christ. So if you would take a moment right now, and I would encourage you just to, to spend a moment in thanks, a moment in gratitude thanking God for for the fact that he is always faithful, that he is always present, that even when people inevitably fail us, that we have a God who loves us unconditionally. We have a God who's always a source of strength, who's always a source of comfort. Thank him for his consistency and his faithfulness, regardless of what life throws at us. Just take a moment right now and pray that. Thank him for that as we enter back into worship.